1 Peter chapter 1 verses 13 through 25. I'll read in just a few moments. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25. Concerning the historical context of this epistle, we are well informed in the opening verses of chapter 1 that the Apostle Peter was writing to Christians who were living in exile in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. A few verses beyond the opening, verse 6 describes their condition in that exile location, grieved by various trials. And in those trials, the writer says their faith was being tested. Similar to the setting of the book of Daniel we're going through in our adult class, the recipients of this letter were facing the challenge of being holy in an unholy place. Being holy in an unholy place. We know that one's location or culture or environment can never justify spiritual decline or disobedience. And so Peter wrote these words in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. There's something here in this passage we've read that carries a very heavy imperative. And it may at times be overwhelming when you pause and spend a few moments to think about it. 
in verses 15 and 16, be holy. One response to that imperative might be, I don't think of myself as holy. We may struggle to call ourselves holy. It sounds like something that would be beyond our reach. But remember what we've studied many, many times in Bible classes and sermons about the grace of God. And in this passage, in verse 13, Peter says, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Grace that we live in now will be magnified when we arrive with the Lord in heaven. And we will be able to do that because, verse 19, the precious blood of Christ. So, if it were just me and you, my power and your power, without grace and the redemption of the blood, being holy would be outside our reach. By the grace of God, through the blood of Christ, my response to that, I can be holy. And Peter says, it is written, you shall be holy. So next, once you establish that, what are the specifics of being holy? We need to let Peter tell us that. Four parts of this will form our study for this evening. Peter says, be sober-minded. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded. Let's talk about sobriety. In the New Testament, sobriety isn't just being away from intoxication. It is being so conscious of your relationship with God. The devil's distractions have no good opening into your mind or your body. Whether it be alcohol or drugs or destructive thoughts or poor immature attitudes. Sobriety, being sober in the New Testament is when you are so conscious of your relationship with God the devil's distractions have no good opening into your mind or your body. As I said last Sunday night, focused. We talked about restoring and protecting our focus. Sobriety in the New Testament is mental discipline that expresses itself externally in what we do, how we relate to people and events. It is purity of attitude combined with having your guard up all the time. And that, Peter says, is involved in being holy. You can't be holy if you carry unholy thoughts in your head and then feed those thoughts. And by unholy thoughts, I'm not just talking about lewd thoughts or inordinate appetites. Anything that ought not to be inside of us, according to God's will. It is unholy to think more highly of yourself than you should. It is unholy to look down on your brothers and sisters in Christ or ignore them. 
It is unholy to be an active participant in everything the world throws at you, but neglect obligations to God and the local church. It is unholy to be hindered and distracted by worldly concerns, current events, and trending debates so that the course of this world becomes more important than the cause of Christ. Being holy has this element of mental discipline. Be sober-minded, always conscious of our relationship with God, focused ready to act mentally, ready to suffer, not distracted by all the enticements of the devil. We're talking about what it means to be holy. Be obedient twice in our passage. Verse 14, as obedient children. Verse 22, obedience to the truth. Now, Ask almost anyone in religious denominations or out in the religious world, even those who have some vague generic claims of a religious or spiritual profession, is it good to be loyal to God? Is allegiance to Jesus Christ important? And almost to a person, the answer will be yes, it's good to be aligned with Jesus Christ, to have allegiance to Him and be loyal to God. But when you frame those questions in those terms, you will get a positive response. But frame it this way, and it seems to me you may not get as ready a response. Do you think we ought to obey God according to His Word? Should obedience be a part of our lives every day? And you sometimes discover either hesitation or a reluctant agreement. But in the Bible, obedience has always been there. The entire history of humanity since the very beginning, obedience is all over the pages of Scripture as to what God requires of those made in His image. So what was the problem with Adam and Eve? Or Cain? Or the mass of human beings lost in the flood, they were not obedient to God. All the way through the dispensations and into the New Testament, in that remarkable presentation of the gospel in Romans written by Paul, Paul says, here's what the problem is in Romans 11.32. God has consigned all to disobedience. Or in Ephesians 2 in verse 2, before obeying the gospel, Paul says we were sons of disobedience. In our text, it is obedient children. And this language reminds us of who we must be before God. Peter is telling us we are to be obedient children. That holiness has this component of obedience. And so already you can see what Peter is doing He's telling us what it means to be holy. Sober-minded, always conscious of your relationship with God. Obedient to God, verse 14 and verse 22. Always mindful of the cost of redemption. I'm going to go back and read some more of this beginning at verse 18. 
knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. I must never lose my spiritual attentive focus on who Jesus is and what he did for me must always be at the center of our personal devotion to God. While we should never neglect any part of Scripture, the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John should be so familiar to us, they should resonate with us at such a level, we never get away from the truth of who He is and what He did for us what he went through so that we could have life with God now and life with God after we die. The cost for us to be saved should never escape our notice. The cost was not a few coins, millions of coins. The cost was not silver or gold. It was the giving of a perfect life for the imperfect. And the way the Bible describes that, notice in verse 19, a lamb without blemish or spot. The Jewish people were set free from Egyptian slavery when each family took a lamb without defect, slaughtered it, and then put the blood on the sides and tops of the door frames of their homes. And they ate the Passover. Exodus 12 is that record. The writers of the New Testament teach that Christ is that Passover lamb. John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29. John in Revelation records a new song for the saints in heaven. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people. Revelation 5 and verse 9. So what does this mean to us? I can be holy. You can be holy because Jesus paid the price. And in my response to him, holiness is enabled. I should never contemplate holiness without complete recognition of the one who died so that I can be holy. And to all this I'll add, being holy means we can live by these three simple words. Love one another. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. I want you to observe in that verse, loving one another is described as a result of conversion. Not an option, 
but a result of conversion. Listen again. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Some translations will say, so that you have sincere love for the brothers. That's a purpose statement, so that. So let's not miss that this is a result of conversion. And the other thing we cannot miss is it's modified by the word sincere. Sincere love for your brothers. This love for one another is more than something named and claimed and announced and thought about. It's acted out from its origin in the heart. A heart attuned to God. Some translations have the word deeply for sincere. Christ didn't die for us to ignore each other. Treat each other with contempt. Hate each other or act or think immaturely. This love is sincere. It is part of holiness, Peter says. This love abolishes inner enmity on our part, erases any animosity on our part, and is taught on virtually every page of the New Testament. And it's founded on Christ's example. You can't be holy without it. Listen again to our text. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Remember, every time we open the Bible, we need to look at passages through the lens of context. Peter was writing to people in exile, scattered, but still chosen by God 
Though verse 6 says they were being grieved by various trials, they could be holy in an unholy location. We can be holy. Hebrews 12, 14 says, uh, Hebrews 12, 14, the writer of Hebrews also addressing people who are suffering, and he says, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Let's be standing as we sing.